April the 8th, 2021. I look forward to uh, the Thursday uh, program because I have uh, Christopher Boulay in front of me. And he always brings to the table a whole bunch of uh, interesting uh, topics. And so, um, welcome, Chris, and uh, hope we have a lot of phone calls today. Good morning to you. Good morning, Raj. Good morning, listeners. And I, too, look forward to Thursdays because I get to spend an hour with our Rhode Island Radio Hall of Famer, all-around great guy, and uh, somebody I look up to very much. Preceding paid announcement. Now, uh, welcome back to our program. <laughs> we're, here till, <laughs> we're here till 9 o'clock. Hey, if you'd like to uh, participate in today's call, uh, today's program, call us, 769-0600, 766-1380. And um, and also, uh, I I wonder if Brian will call. Brian sent me an email yesterday asking me to ask a question about uh, Paul Luba to the mayor. I asked it, and uh, she said he was a member of the finance team for the city of Winsaga. And I hope Brian was satisfied with the uh, with the answer that I gave uh, or that she gave. And I hope I um, asked the question the way that uh, he wanted me to do that. That was from yesterday's show. Now, Chris. Um, I, don't, I don't want to. I really would like to talk about um, about national issues, um, uh, but uh, we're we're going very local here, only because of the front page uh, coverage that uh, Russ Alibo gave it in the call yesterday. And uh, was it uh, Lauren Clem? Um, I, I gave you the copy of the breeze, but I don't have it in front of me here. Uh, was it the Lauren Clem story? The um, what we call the Kithis Kanoyer uh, exchange. Uh, former Councilman Alex Kithis. I don't know if he's seeking publicity or whether he's uh, got a legitimate cause. And current Council Member James Kanoyer. And uh, maybe um, maybe you could uh, summarize the situation uh, for us and and uh, see if you have any late remarks uh, to offer. Yes, um, yes, it is Lauren Clem, who's a terrific reporter for the Valley Breeze, and the title, and it follows up a story earlier in the week from uh, uh, from the from the call. It says Kithis files for restraining order against Kanoyer, lawyer. Pies exploring all amiable options and resolutions. Well, to, to the listeners who probably follow this and outside of Woonsocket, um, Alex Kissa was a city council member for uh, a little less than two years of special election to replace Miss Julia Brown. And uh, there, was a, there was a two-person election, and Alex won. Alex can really be defined as a, as a progressive, very well-educated person. Um, my recollection is valedictorian of Woonsocket High School and uh, has two degrees, one from Brown University and one from Boston University. Um, but his ideas kind of clashed with what the city council, in my opinion, is supposed to do. He was focusing on national, international ideas well beyond the scope of what should happen at city council meetings. So uh, Jimmy Knoyer, who I think is one of the best city council members we've ever had, and he and uh, Alex would clash over things that I think Alex was inconsistent on, talking about white nationalism and denouncing it. And Jim says to him publicly, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to have all forms of uh, uh, supremacy? And then went back and forth. So Alex uh, ran in a team. And the team did not do well. People uh, did not want that to be repeated on the city council. And uh, Kanoya got back in, and and uh, Alex did not. So my understanding is, and I don't look at Alex's Facebook page or Twitter, but he's constantly attacking the city council, saying that they're racist and homophobic and attacking their ideas. So my understanding of this is that any time that Kanoya contacts Kithis in any way, shape, or form. It's actually Kithis who's brought them up and attacked them. And frankly, I don't know Alex really well. He's highly educated, and I hope he does well in life and, and, and you know, uses his degrees. But his ideas and what he says are so easy to take apart, and it's so diametrically opposed to, I think, the vast majority of Woonsocket thinkers and Woonsocket residents. And it just ideas that don't make any sense. So Jimmy has, uh, you know, he sent me a uh, text this morning that he, I guess he knows, Jimmy knows I'm going to be on Thursday mornings. So if you want, I'll read it into the, uh, yeah, yes, it into the record. It's the latest, um, you know, uh, Lauren did her story and Russ Olivo uh, the day before did his story. Uh, but uh, there are uh, reactions uh, over the past 24 hours to uh, all this. And this is the latest one. 
So Kanoi sent to this to me uh, this morning. It says, Chris, the headline should have read, former councilman, community activist, Brown alum, and engineer pauper Alex Kithis, who maintains a prolific social media presence and regularly tweets disparaging comments about Councilman Kanoi and other members of the council, including calling them racist and homophobes, filed a petition in court seeking to cancel and silence Kanoi from responding to his frequent social media posts. Obviously, that's said in jest, but that's what uh, Kanoi says. And then he carries on and continues and says... He, being Alex, is a pauper for exactly the reasons Jim has explained to him on many occasions. Because he spends all of his time tweeting from his grandmother's basement, as opposed to joining the real world and getting a job for which there are plenty available. All right, so uh, in the filing that uh, Alex uh, filed with the Superior Court uh, and he couldn't pay for, uh, that is a legal representation, uh, to uh, get it um, filed for free and, and be able to represent yourself, you have to explain uh, what, um, what reason uh, it is that you can't um, go out and engage a lawyer. And he says uh, he's uh, indigent. And um, indigent is meaning uh, without funds. And, uh, and the old term uh, that goes back to the Latin is pauper. And uh, so those are unpleasant terms, but uh, the court uh, system still uses them, not us. And uh, so, um, so he is representing himself in this uh, matter. And that is the thing that has uh, struck me uh, about it. Uh, it's kind of an ancillary part of the story uh, that, um, that he is not employed. When, in fact, um, the story the week before in the Valley Breeze was uh, that people in the restaurant business can make a lot of money right now because they can't find help and so those who do join get big tips and and do very very nicely and alex would make a great uh, member of a wait staff because he's got a very pleasant personality i've uh, engaged him a few times here in the studio it's very nice uh i talked to a friend of uh of a friend over the weekend and uh somebody's getting a job at a prominent country club i'm not a member of and this person can make almost a thousand dollars a week and 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 in fairness too um we, we read this from Kanoya. Alex, uh, if he wants to call in, 766-1380-769-0600. If he, you know, so chooses, we'd like to hear, you know, his side. We talk, talked about should we ignore it, should we not. It's actually on the front page of the Valley Breeze. Earlier this week, it was on the front page of Osaka Call. So I think we are going to give it the attention it deserves um, and go from there. But I, I, I think the argument... Uh, that Alex has doesn't hold any water when you attack somebody. They've got two options. They can ignore it and they can or they can address it. And as it was brought to my attention earlier uh, this week is a lot of the stuff that's going on in the General Assembly you know, people are ignoring it and you've got people who have no skin in the game who are trying to drive out all of the wealthy people in, in Rhode Island who have choices by raising taxes and those people, some of them don't have jobs, some don't own homes, some of them don't have employ and they have no comprehension of the damage they're doing. And this is not incidental, uh, unintended consequences that you can't see. In New York City is losing many, many billionaires and millionaires who are leaving and just have had enough of paying taxes for, for a poor government. Make a liar out of me, Alex, and call, but I do not expect him to call. And I'll tell you, interesting thing, he finds um, this uh, radio studio and the whole concept of radio old-fashioned. Uh, this is not his, where, this is not where he functions. Uh, he functions on, is it Twitter? Yeah, Twitter, Twitter is one, the, the uh, one that actually banned the President of the United States. Yeah. And, uh, so the, and Facebook. This is where he's, in the, he's part of the social media generation and um, just coming to the radio station. It's like walking into, in his mind, an antique shop. I mean, it's just, this is just old-fashioned. And what we do is um, also um, we don't reach anybody because we're radio. And the only place that uh, that actual discourse and dialogue goes on is on social media, not on television, not on radio, not on cable, uh, not through an email <laughs> anymore. <Yeah. laughs> it's, uh, 
It's a social media pay- platform. And I guess it, it's, uh, this is a good time to note. It's been studies that people are happiest when they're listening to the radio versus being on the Internet or being on watching TV. Uh, I think we have a good size audience that turns us on at 6.05 a.m. and listens to us for a lot of the day. And, and um, I don't think it's a media that's going to go anywhere anytime soon. Uh, we're going to hit some phone calls, but Chris, in the trade journals of broadcasting, uh, this is uh, 2020, uh, the year before, the biggest radio year of audience in the history of radio, even before radio, even before television came by. And that's the, the reason, though, is, is, is demographic. Um, when radio was all alone before television, uh, there were only uh, 220 million people in the United States. Now with over 350 million, uh, we're still, though, in 2020, the most listened to medium in, um, in, uh, over, over anything. People spend a lot of time at radio. Thank so, you. So we're not a medium, we're an extra large, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> what is it, size up when you go to the um, um, uh, upsize? No, there's a term when you go to uh, the to McDonald's or Burger King. Oh, supersize me. Supersize it. That's what we are. <laughs> Let's go to some phone calls. Hello, thanks for your call, and what's your comment today? I thank you for the station because you make me laugh. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. You know, when you... When you mentioned uh, going into an antique shop at WNR, it actually kind of is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, in some respects. Uh, yes, yes, because, you know, it's not every... We have a little museum here. Thing. It, it is, it is. That's a v- wonderful way of putting it. You know, and when I think of uh, the, the subject you're talking about, Alex Kettis, I think of... Um, you know, acid reflux. It's too bad his last name doesn't start with R because then both would apply. Acid reflux, Alex Kithis, because that's what kind of his uh, name and all of this nonsense comes to mind. Because um, uh, I remember how many times I uh, had the opportunity to be with Albert Brian and Philip Lebrecht on the pulse trying to get people to here where I saw and and I had that letter that Alex sent out and and my view of him having worked in many public careers is that uh, he is of this I'm not going to say generation but this cadre of people in our society nowadays that will do anything to stay in the limelight to create some, uh, you know, way that he gets his fulfillment of his need for attention to do anything. I remember, you know, when his, uh, you know, uh, I guess uh, limelight was fading, he announced that he was now uh, bisexual. Do you remember that? No, it's not something I consider noteworthy, but go ahead. Well, you know, he announced it in a splash. I think it was uh, on some social platform uh, and so it's just that little iota that I'm saying that he will do anything in order to create a stir again so he becomes the focus of attention. He, you know, if he had a job, he would maybe have a little attention if he could bring himself to doing something worthwhile and having uh, some benefit in society. Well, you, you, if you're going to want to be do things to get attention, you want them to be, to be positive. You know, Garrett, yeah. Manc- Garrett Mancieri lost on the city council, so what did he do? He immersed himself into the community, making it better and being involved in everything. And I think everything the guy touched was positive. He gave another run. It didn't work out, but there, there, are, there are positive ways and, and there are negative ways. And, and speaking in generalities, you know, climate change and, and, and all of these things, you, you, you try to take them on and how about just fixing things right in front of yourself and, you know, just be the best person you can be. But, you know, we, we, we gave it the attention I, I think it deserved. And, uh, you know, um, at this point, I don't want to be anything to be disparaging to Alex. I've heard both sides of it. But I think in generally, if somebody brings you up in a very negative connotation on social media, whether it be Twitter or, or whatever, and you respond to it, I don't, I don't think any... Uh, clear-thinking person would perceive that as being harassment, but uh, we do thank you for the call. Well, I'm just going to say that this kind of reminds me of Schumer and Pelosi uh, going after Trump for four years. This is a little local 
situation that, you know, because anyone is in the council now and successful and thinking correctly for the city, that they're under attack. Can, anyway. I, can I interrupt with that? Is, is, was that Jimmy Canoyer for president? Is that what I just heard? <laughs> uh, possibly. How about governor? <laughs> thank, thank you so much for listening. Thanks right. for taking the time. You're on the Upfront program on WNRI. Thank you for being with us. We'll grab the other phone call before we hit a commercial. Hello, and your comments, please. Uh, regarding Clippers, uh, you know, told to get lost. But anyway, the climate change, that's the law in uh, Rhode Island now. You're not going to clear up the climate, no matter what you do, because the air from China comes over here, and it's so polluted, it even comes as far as our eastern coast. So that's a waste of money. No, the, the, right, like the, the Paris Accords, where they didn't treat um, China as a first world country and gave them a pass on all the pollution. But yes, if you want to go and see real pollution, go to go to China and the factories in India. You know, those are the biggest polluters of the world. You want to do your part. You know, you want to do your part, but you, you don't want to be a hypocrite. You don't want to fly to the Google Climate Accord in Geneva switzerland and, and your private jet you don't want to complain about combustible engines and cut your lawn with a with a with a gas powered lawnmower when you could use a manual one you know just be consistent and that's really the problem i, I think people like Kenoyer, myself and all the folks on the conservative side it's just so easy to see the hypocrisy because you're trying to solve things. And I'm going to talk about Rob Manfred probably after the break, the Major League Baseball commissioner and how he kind of stepped in it. But when you're woke and you're taking these other sides, it, it, there you've got to be some consistency because it doesn't make any sense. This is the greatest country in the world, and if you tackle and try to knock down the things that made this a great country, then you have a problem. I said this a couple of times, and it's worth noting. Jeff Bezos is worth $220 billion. He worked at McDonald's as a, as a, as a fry cook for, for a while in high school. He made his speech as valedictorian, and the local papers made fun of him. And, and now who's laughing? He's the richest man in the world. So all we want, I think, is be consistent I go to TPC Boston and play golf there, and there's a lot of very wealthy liberal people who know about the radio show, and they listen. We have great conversations about each side, and the consistency that they apply gives me pause, and I think about it with their points. But if you're going to just say things like, well, black lives matter, and don't think about the repercussions, there, there's black lives matter, and I'm going to uh, expound upon this. They wanted to get rid of, rid of the nuclear family. Well, there's a basically a 100% correlation between poverty and, and single parents. Some people can go beyond it, but you can do that. So when you want to get rid of families like that, you've you got to just think it through. And, and, and that's what we want to do, is, is just think these things through and, and have polite discourse. Stand for? Woke is a term. I don't think it stands for anything. It just means that it's a it's a way saying that you're hip, you're 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 a liberal thinker and, and you're on to things. Like uh, last night, um, Tucker Carlson was talking about uh, revisiting uh, United Airlines. They have, they have five thousand pilots and they're making a push. They want fifty percent of them to be people of color, and Tucker juxtaposed that with net. Uh, jets, which is a private company as well, run by Warren Buffett's group, and they care about safety. So what uh, Tucker was saying is that your number one priority shouldn't shouldn't be the color of the people's skin; it should be landing the plane safely. <laughs> and and, and uh, what a great to point that is! It, it is. It, and and he, he, talk, he, both, he talked about the NBA, something I care nothing about. Uh, you know, over seventy-five percent of all players in the NBA are African American. Well, the, the African Americans represent thirteen or fourteen percent of the population in America. Do we do a quota there? No. If the you take the best player, you take the best pilot, you take the best person, and when you start injecting color into everything, you're going to create a bad society that's pitted up against each other, and it, it's just not going to go forward. Well, what about the? Uh person of color that killed the uh, capital policeman by running them over. You, you don't hear any uh, 
uprising of the white people against no, no, no. When somebody does something heinous like that, it, the color shouldn't matter. CNN quickly reported that it was a white person, and might uh, white male. It really shouldn't matter. You know, if we really believe in what Martha Luther King was talking about, is that we don't want to look at the color of somebody's skin. We want to look at the, their character and their heart and, the, and their conduct as a human being. And we're getting away from that, and unfortunately, it's problematic. And my last comment, I've never believed in special rules or special groups. Have the law apply to whatever color you are. You kill somebody, you go to jail. You beat them up, you go to jail. Doesn't matter what color you are. No, no, no question. Thank you for listening. Thanks for calling again. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I need your help, Chris Boulay. Let me tell you what my problem is. So, uh... Next Wednesday, I have uh, Governor Dan McKee uh, here, and um, I'm going to ask him a question. He says that he is going to sign the green uh, compact legislation that has been passed by the Senate and the uh, House of Representatives here in Rhode Island. And he, all through his term as lieutenant governor, make, make believe you're the lieutenant governor, uh, Lieutenant Governor McKee, all through your term as lieutenant governor, you've been an advocate of small business. And clearly, small businesses are going to be hurt by this energy bill. So are you signing that energy bill because, A, your veto would be overridden, number one. B, you're worried about getting along with your Senate and House uh, colleagues uh, for the rest of your term so that you can get reelected and folded into uh, small business. Or, um, or do you, are you legitimately a green compact uh, legislation type of guy? Uh, do you think I can answer, get an answer from him? Do you think I should even ask him that question? I, I, I think you should, and um, yes, and uh, absolutely. There, 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 he, I think he would answer is that there's, there's not always a truism. Like, you can't do everything for small business against uh, something else. So I think that would be his point, but we'll see where it all goes. Scott McGee of REMAX Properties brings his years of real estate experience to you, whether buying or selling. Check out this property currently on the market from the McGee team. Okay, this time uh, we went from uh, from Woonsocket uh, listing on Tuesday's program to uh, this nice house on Chapel Street in Boroughville. It is um, on the market at 315, and we're looking at three bedrooms built in... 1993, and Scott says it's centrally located in the heart of Boroughville in Harrisville Village, and it is a perfect first home or even uh, one for downsizing if you're in a big property. Well-maintained, updated flooring, kitchen and bath, a detached two-car garage with a loft storage, huge bonus on the property with that, and a nice back deck for relaxing in your fenced yard, in the rear yard, with an extra garden shed, too. If you'd like to see this property, Scott McGee would like to show it to you, 639-2906. This is telephone number, Scott McGee at REMAX Properties. Tonight is Thursday. That means it's shrimp boats are coming to River Falls Restaurant with the River Falls Shrimp Spectacular on Thursdays. What does that mean? Well, first of all, the price. Fifteen ninety nine. Secondly, when can you get it? Four to nine p.m. And what can you get? Twelve different shrimp dishes. Now, here's the way I've handled this. Uh, they come and say, "Which shrimp dish would you like to have first, Roger?" And I order shrimp fra diablo. And then after I'm done with that, they come back and say, "Which shrimp dish would you like to have, Roger?" And I say, "Shrimp fra diablo." And, well, I think you get the point. I don't know what the others taste like because I love their shrimp fra diablo, which is a spicy shrimp dish. But there's so many others, too. It's shrimp night at River Falls Restaurant. You'll find River Falls Restaurant right here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. 
at uh, Market Square. One more ad here. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. You having a good time, Chris? I, I am. I always have a good time with you. Good. Thank you very much. Let's go to the phones. More phone calls, more comments. Hello. What do you want to say? Well, first of all, you know, I still respect you, Chris, but I do disagree with you about Mr. Kiffin. The fact that he can't present an argument that can't be taken apart easily and he doesn't have critical thinking shows me he was brainwashed to school that educated and he does not have a good education. He has a flawed education. Sorry about that, but we can, we can disagree and still respect each other, I hope. Well, I, 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 I understand what, what you're saying. It, to, to me, it, it frustrates me because um, my my godchild was valedictorian at, at, at Winsocket High School. Um, my sister-in-law was valedictorian at Winsocket High School. Uh, and, you know, Alex cannot, by definition, be a dummy and, and be the number one person in 400 or 500 kids. And so, and he's got a degree, a master's degree from Boston University. He's got a degree from Brown. Uh, I'm disappointed for him that it's, he's not applying it. Um, yes, he's he's got a his his ideas can easily be taken apart, and that's why I love for him to call and talk about this, and not just with the newspaper and have a, 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 a give and take. So go ahead. So now on my primary subject, I sent you an email, everybody at the station, and it's titled "What Happens One Day." When it's raining outside and the wind doesn't blow. And I did an analysis and I found out, I'm going to tell you, to supply the state of Rhode Island with electricity would take, it's a battery, a storage battery you can buy on Amazon for 179 bucks. It would take 130 million of them, 130 million of them to, to provide all the energy that Rhode Island uses for one day. Now, let's make that for the renter. You're renting an apartment. You're responsible for your own energy. If my landlord doesn't pay my electricity or gas, since it's a hundred, about a million residents, that means basically one of the plans I've heard presented was we're going to send you the energy while the grid's running and you are going to be responsible for storing what you need when the grid's down. Well, that means I'm going to have to spend $24,000 on storage batteries to keep my lights on for 24 hours. If I want to keep them on for th three days, I have to spend $72,000 on batteries to have the energy. Now, if you look at the email I sent you, you can see I put all the facts and the fears down. I know that's the boring part. But realistically, I mean, there are the answers. You can build a giant water reservoir, two of them, <laughs> on a high level. Yeah. And you can pump water from one to the other and then use a turbine and a generator to uh, reproduce that energy, but you realize that that one system would have to equal everything else in the state that's producing energy in order to back it up. Well, you could just put in a, a, a nuclear power plant, keep the turbine and the generator, and throw everything else away. The reservoir, the windmills, uh, the solar panels, and just have that one nuclear plant. Think of all the savings you could have. You can make nuclear medicine, uh, uh, materials for nuclear medicine, that the reactor, that a, that a thorium reactor would create naturally that have a high market value. And, you know, when the governor comes in, I sent him a copy of that email. I really wish you'd show it to him so he could see it himself. Because the real good question is, what do you do that one day when there is no wind and there is no sun so, and there is no backup plan? So they call, have no backup plan. Call it here, here, here's what's happened with your... Uh, with your call and your previous calls for me, what has happened, and maybe it'll be a national discussion, but you've got me thinking about something that I haven't been thinking about in a long time. And I heard, um, I heard another person talking about it the other day saying, basically, you know what? I haven't thought about nuclear energy in a long time. But uh, maybe it's time to revisit this because this may be the short circuit 
to uh, this um, green power movement in the in the um, in the United States. So if, if nothing else, sir, you've got me thinking again about nuclear that I haven't given thought about in a long time. And if we're going to be spending a couple of trillion dollars, this would be the perfect time to build some nuclear power yeah. plants because it would take care of it. But you're, but yeah, yeah your, your brother Dick knows a lot and the call knows a lot more about this stuff than I do. And wind is just awful. Deep water was was such an expensive proposition off of Block Island. And then you want to find out how committed and woke people are try to put those things on the on the horizon in cape cod they the people in martha's vineyard they didn't want it they didn't want to look at them it's for other people and solar is uh, is getting bad press also i don't know what, where the hell they think this energy is going to come from hey caller we have to move on thanks thanks for taking the time bye-bye you're on the upfront program on wnri i'm roger chris is here and um, and now uh, a topic from uh, I thought um, yeah. I thought I had a call, but it's uh, yes yes we do have a call. All right, let's take the call. Hello there, your comments, please. Hello there, Roger. Hello there, Chris. Hello, How are you both today. Excellent. It's going to be a beautiful day. The sun is shining, and get out there and get your yard work done early, and you know enjoy the day, everybody, because it really is nice right now. Um, the reason I'm calling is, Roger, I found that very interesting when you were talking about the statistics on radio, and um, I think radio will always be with us, and I think, yes, all these other social media things will come and go, and they certainly can elaborate on things that, um, you know, put you out there uh, getting information. However, if someone gets, um, let's say it's a newspaper and they get a, a scoop on something, what's the first thing we all do? If it's something that's in your town, if it's something that's close to you, if, if it's something that is really of interest because it, it hits you as uh, affecting you in one way or another in your area, we turn on our radio to get what's going on. And I don't think anybody is ever going to get past that. I, you know, what's the first thing you do? You say, oh, my gosh, I'm going to turn my radio on because they'll, they'll be getting more information on this. And I think that radio stations are very careful about taking information in and just putting it out there. Sometimes you'll read something and it'll be out there three or four times and it changes three or four times because it wasn't accurate for the, from the beginning. But I find that radio stations are very careful about that type of thing. So guess what, Roger? You're going to be here till 150 if you want to be. Well, I hope it lasts at least until I retire. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> thank you so right. much. Bye-bye. All right, thank you. You're on the Upfront program on WNRI. And uh, let's see <laughs> Uh, Brian writes uh, to us. Uh, this is the guy that wrote to me yesterday. Good morning, Roger and Chris. Thanks for reading my email expressing my concerns about Paul Luba. Um, LBH, as in, uh, uh, let's see, that would be Lisa Boldelli Hunt, has a terrible track record, he writes, for truthfulness and transparency. If Luba's salary is being re reimbursed, the city needs to produce a document showing his salary and reimbursement from the state of Rhode Island. Thank you, Brian, and we have acknowledged his what, message. What, what I'm hearing is the state's reimbursing half. Mm -hmm. That's that's as my my sources are saying. All right, and um, so, uh, but is Paul Luba a ghost? No, he is not. He is walking. He is walking the corridors of City Hall, and he is getting paid. But. But if we if we are as if we are as shorthanded as the mayor says, um, and if he's being completely his salary is being completely reimbursed by the state, and the mayor finds that there are special projects that he can do, more power to her. But um, let let's just be uh, transparent as we can be to the taxpayers, and if the question comes up, we have a right to know: Is he being paid zero percent by the state? 50% by the state or 100% by the state. I listened very, I tried to listen carefully on the way up to the replay that you had. I did not listen to the mayor yesterday, and I don't think that question was answered. So is it the end of the world? No, but it'd be nice to know for sure. This is the Upfront Program on WNRI. This Sunday. 
There's a big pause in the studio. The Grafton Flea Market opens. Come join the fun at one of the oldest and most successful flea markets in the area. The Grafton Flea Market, 296 Upton Street, Route 140 at the Upton Grafton Town Line. The Grafton Flea Market, an indoor-outdoor flea market in a unique country atmosphere with acres of bargains, hidden treasures, and hundreds of dealers. Open every Sunday from 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. The Grafton Flea Market, Route 140 at the Upton Grafton Town Line. Since 1970. And now we're going to tell you about Grumpy's for lunch. And Grumpy's, uh, we like to go to Grumpy's. And uh, we, go, uh, we go often. And, uh, and sometimes we go for lunch. Sometimes we go for, uh, for dinner. I want to tell you that uh, lunch is served today at Grumpy's. And um, you can get um, a luncheon clam plate for eleven ninety nine, And uh, I tell you, uh, Roger and Chris both know, since we've had it a number of times, that the tender whole belly clams, lightly breaded and deep fried, are plenty of clams to satisfy any appetite. And it's a luncheon uh, portion. And it's served with uh, the nice uh, hand-cut fries and a little serving of coleslaw and tartar sauce at eleven ninety nine. It's a great way to enjoy, um, enjoy fried clams. And we also have clam cakes and chowder every Wednesday and Friday for $9.99, all you can eat. You get um, six clam cakes to begin with and a bowl of red or clear or white chowder. And then if you want more, you just say, I want more, and you get more. And that's on Wednesdays and Fridays. Grumpies. And don't forget, Monday through Thursday, the $10 dinner specials. They're off it after 3.30 or 4 o'clock. And it's $10 complete meal. And I, uh, I take a picture of that, rest of that menu every time I'm there. And it shows quite the variety of, of, of offerings. But if you don't like uh, what is on the $10 menu, do what I do. Uh, go to my uh, my evening to go dish, and it's not to go, but uh, it's the one I go to when I don't uh, care for anything else on the menu, and that's sizzling fajitas with peppers and onions and uh, some uh, chicken. Oh, do I love those things! Uh, and they're so tasty. Hey, we're talking about Grumpy's in South Bellingham, Massachusetts, and I certainly hope you'll stop into Grumpy's uh, today for lunch. Or for uh, any particular meal that you'd like to have. Thank you for listening. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. How's business, um, Chris uh, Boulay, in the uh, financial advisory business? Business, business is terrific. Um, I, I'm very, very, very pleased about it. Um, everyone in the office is doing well, and that translates to all... The financial advisors, it seems, at, at UBS, the market is going up. Um, we're gathering assets, and we're servicing our customers. And um, at 5 a.m. every morning, I have a thing that pops up uh, into my reminders to service my clients the best of my abilities. But business is going great, and we're walking that fine line between making sure we make our clients money now, today, and be, re- and be appropriately proactive when the market pulls back and um i've never had more um investment vehicles at my disposal to do that so it's a lot of fun and the idea is to avoid another 0809 for our clients or 2000 2001 2002 so computers are getting better um television getting better financial services at the highest level is getting better so uh i absolutely love what i do it sounds like techniques and technology are going hand in hand in servicing your clients. But I also read between the lines that, thank goodness, um, we have these tools to, uh, to, to get the best that we can for our clients now. Because um, with this uh, new president, you don't know where the hell it's going to go. Yeah, and, and I, I think it's worth repeating because the number one question I get from my clients who are conservative or liberal is will Biden's policies be bad for the stock market, will be bad for the economy? In a nutshell, and I've said this before and I think it's worth repeating, my personal belief, and I think UBS's belief, I know UBS, is that short term, it's going to be great for the economy. You've got a guy working construction making 150 grand and now you got prevailing wages working at an airport or some some kind of factory to build and maybe he's going to be making 250 because he's working 60 70 hours a week uh, he or she's going to spend that money uh, the deficit 
spending. If you have children, you feel very bad about this because we're getting it's out of control. And I've said this before, and I think it's worth repeating. My thing is, we have a twenty-four trillion dollar economy, but our debt is now close to thirty trillion. If we can keep that one for one, we're probably going to be okay. But in the long term, it's just going to be very bad for, for uh, our children's future. But in the next year or two, uh, one guy I, I, I really respect in business is Jamie Dimon. His name has come up many times on this show, maybe for the wrong thing. But I've got great respect for him. He's the CEO and chairman of, of uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. And he thinks that, in his, his opinion, is that he thinks this boom could last another couple of years. He could be right. He could be wrong. But... Um, it, it, it's. It, I think that's the that's the number one question I get. Is but deficit spending in the short term probably always boosts the economy. I'm concerned again, and and Biden's open to it. Is what is the actual number? Um, what's the actual number going to be in the corporate taxes? Because I was watching CNBC the other day, and they had pro raising taxes, and they had anti raising taxes, and the anti tax person uh, eviscerated the pro-tax guy because the guy didn't know what he was talking about. He was saying that the United States of America is under tax because we only get 1% of our GDP from corporate taxes. What the person failed to mention was called out by this other person who looked, she looked like she was 16 years old, but she shop as a tax, said, we have so many small corporations where the money flows through to the individual. So what he's saying doesn't make any sense. So in a long way, I think short-term, things are going to look really, really good. Um, uh, short-term, next year or two. Long-term, I'm very concerned about the deficit. Thank you. Let's take some calls. And your comments, please, on the Upfront program. Hello. Yeah, good morning, Roger. Good morning, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Boulay. Mr. Boulay uh, is my father. I'm Chris. Good morning, okay, Mr. Boulay. Sorry, good morning. <laughs> I, have, I have great respect for you as, a, uh, as an individual in the financial industry. Thank you. Uh, uh, one of the questions you you, uh, you had uh, spoken about was the uh, Mr. Luba, whose salaries, uh, who's paying the salary or portion of the salary, but also too, we also must extend that a little further. Says who's paying his benefit? Does he qualify for a pension from the city? Is he under an employment contract? Who's paying his medical benefits? Those are all those are all the course of having this person around. Well, if he's employed, then he's entitled to all of them, like any other employee. Right, but from whom? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and again, I, I think it's just a matter of, of full disclosure. I applaud the mayor if, in fact, she has the deal which was laid out is that the state's going to pay his salary and she has special projects for him to do. And the mayor has said several times that City Hall is understaffed. So more power to her if in that is, in fact, the case. <laughs> I, I don't think Paul should be a lightning rod where every week we beat up on him, but I just think people want to know and there's been a history of lack of transparency about him and his position, which aggravates people maybe to do more f focus on him than, than maybe is warranted. Mm -hmm. That That's really the problem is, is just tell us the truth and we'll move on to the next issue. Same thing with, you know, getting the financial statements uh, on a monthly basis. There's no excuse for that. Uh, not, not the city council not seeing that on a monthly basis. So there are things like that that I just think irritate people, observers. Um, and that we just want to know. So I, I, I don't want to beat up on the guy. He's got a, a right to make a living. And again, for the third time, I said there's more power to the mayor if, in fact, she made a deal with Gina and the state's paying for it. We have to move on, sir. Thanks for the call. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And on to this phone call we go. Hello. Thank you for your call. Your comment, please. Hey, guys. So I apologize if this was covered in previous episodes. I don't catch every episode, so I... I don't like rehashing stuff you might have already talked about. But we'll tell you. Chris was, Go ahead. All right. Chris was talking about um, just financial markets in general, and it got to me thinking last Friday I was hanging with a friend of mine, and he was. we started talking about the, the Robin Hood. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to call it a – I guess it's a scandal, but, you know, limiting the trading on GameStop and some other other um, uh, things. Mm -hmm. He said he was affected by that. He said he, said he probably lost about $20,000 because of the um, – what? Where are we going with that? I mean, so bottom line question, and I understand you guys aren't legal advisors, but I mean, just basic opinion: Was there cronyism at play here? Do we think that Robin Hood did collude, or maybe just a not even communicate, but just know, just read the minds of what those hedge 
fund managers wanted. Was there cronyism in there? And now they're talking about making that illegal for people on Reddit and people on social media to manipulate the market. But the hedge funds manipulate the market. We get the question. We get the question, but I'm going to ask Chris, for the benefit of the 99% of our audience that doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, Mm -hmm. to give us a little bit of uh, background information so that uh, we can uh, uh, satisfy his question. Yes, and and to make it very, very clear, I'm speaking for myself, Christopher Boulay, and not speaking for UBS, but Robinhood is a platform which basically does uh, individual retail investors can do commission-free trades. So just like Facebook, when they don't charge you for a product, you are the product. So Facebook sells you ads, but Facebook doesn't charge you to be a member. So Robinhood doesn't charge you to, to do trades, but what they do is they get paid by sending the, the trades to certain uh certain uh, uh, clearing houses and that's how they get paid and also my understanding is they sell your information to uh, hedge funds that's my understanding of how they do that so th- that being said my personal opinion is that there was no collusion Robinhood did not have the capital to do the clearing for the trades so what happens is there used to be a three day settlement on trades. So if I bought XYZ company, I had three days to pay for that. So if I bought $100,000 worth of Microsoft, the broker uh, may not need that money for three days. Those three days were moved to two days. So when you're dealing with a broker dealer, they have to have the capital in order to support this. So if these trades go wild and they don't have the capital, they not may there may be a margin call on the broker dealer and they may not be able to settle all the trades. So that's really what happened. I don't believe there was any collusion. It was the fact that when there's a lot of volatility, there's more risk and there's called you know, there's called an at risk value. And it's a, it's a measurement that would take four hours to explain. But what happens when you have a broker that has an at-risk um, value that exceeds their capital, there's, with, there's uh, restrictions on what they can do. So if well, it's you know, almost, almost, well, go ahead, follow up, please. No, the, no the, the CEO gave a very coherent explanation on it. That's why, because I was listening to uh, the the, uh, the Dave Portnoy, the uh, Barstool Sports yep. guy, he says, oh, people are going to go to jail over this. And then I heard Vlad, the CEO of Robinhood, and he said he came out with confidence without an attorney next to him. And he said, here's the deal. I understand this stuff. And he broke it down just like you just said, Chris. But I, uh, overall, I, something just seemed shady about it. But, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it totally makes sense. I, I, honestly, from, from, my, from my personal opinion of 21 years in the business and, and entire, my entire adult life in financial services, um, I understand exactly what I'm trying to think of, 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 a, of a good analogy. Um, this may be a stupid one. comes off the top of my head. If, if you have a nightclub and the nightclub only holds 100 people and you've got 100 people in there and you've got a line of 30 people, some have to leave before some can go in. And maybe the, the, maybe the, um, the, the nightclub down the street has room for 4,000 people and, and they only have 3,500. There just wasn't enough capacity. When you have wild swings, somebody has to settle that up. So I, I believe... You know, you have to make a personal decision. You've got to understand, do you want to deal with somebody with great capital who maybe might be managing $4 trillion of assets? I don't know who that might be, but there are companies out there that manage $4 trillion of assets. They have the capacity to do clearing like that. Robinhood as a startup did not, and I don't believe for one minute that there was anything. Um, and, I, and I know who you're talking about. Uh, uh, the Barstool guy, I heard his interview, and it, it, it's it's a very popular viewpoint, but it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, do you, you guys just, have time for another question, or do you have another no, call? No, go ahead. All right, if you do, just cut me off. Final question. <laughs> okay. should, it be, should it be illegal for people on Reddit and for people like that? I mean, so, so it, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to buy a failing company and, and I want to tr- prop up the price of it, right? Is it, is it, should it be illegal for me to call a friend of mine and say, hey, you know what, GameStop's going out of business. I really like GameStop. I think it's a great company. Let's invest in them, and maybe they can have a resurgence. Maybe they can get some more R&D money. What, there, 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 people talk about making that illegal, Chris. There, I mean, that, yeah. that, that, 
throw me in jail for that. Yeah, there's, mean, the, for there, there's a difference, and uh, I want to answer you. There's a difference between me being a financial advisor, you know, being Series 7 and have a fiduciary responsibility not to do those things, or the, or the offices of a company. But for an individual not associated with the company, now you're getting onto freedom of speech and things like that. But, you know, for somebody who, who, who has a position like myself, no, you can't do that. Somebody who's related to the company can't do that. So, in, in, in a, in a, in a I, I think that's a bridge uh, too far. Th thanks a lot for the call. We, we like your calls and appreciate you listening. Thank you and good day to you. We appreciate it. This is the Upfront program and uh, you can see we cover a wide range of topics on the program and uh, we welcome them all. And uh, I learned something uh, new. Uh, I'm glad I... I um, I asked the question uh, the way that I did because I, I I have a better understanding of what this was all about. I I, I, I mean I, I again um, speaking for myself, but I also work for for the largest wealth manager in the world. So, but I, but I wanted to kind of put it in, in contents mm -hmm. when you invest with somebody do your trades robin this can happen maybe they're going to grow out of it and they'll be a great success but these broker dealers some of them small ones do have capacity constraints and can wild swings can really hurt them now in all seriousness uh one of the great things about having you on the program is uh when i get a question like this because if you hadn't been here and this guy posed the same question it would be like him talking another language to me i mean he he was dropping terms that i had I, I think I've heard them. I think I know that they're out there. I have no idea what they stand for. And so it, it, takes, a, a, it takes a topic uh, that I've heard about, but I don't understand the background of. Thank you. Well, appreciate that. Well, I, I try to stay in my lane. Bob from Pawtucket knows a hell of a lot more about energy than I'll ever know. So yep. we all have our expertise. I don't know if I'm really good at this. I just love it. So it's almost impossible for me not to be decent at it because I absolutely love what I do. And I, I have a lot of fun with it. And I, I, you know, work with some of the nicest people I've ever met. So you're going to be good at something if you like it. Generally. A minute to go. Look at your topics. Yep. You can at least bring a topic up. Uh, um, of course, we won't be able to develop it much. But uh, at least we know it's there. And maybe I can... I can uh, do a little research on it. <laughs> well, one of the one of the calls talked about being woke, and I wanted to spend more time on this. Obviously, time goes by so quickly for this show. But Rob Manford is the Major League Baseball Commissioner, makes eleven million dollars, and I'm not one to throw people under the bus. Everyone's entitled to make mistakes, what have you. But for him to do a knee-jerk reaction and move the All-Star game from Atlanta, Georgia to Denver, Colorado because of the law just being passed for voting regulation in Georgia when, in fact, the Colorado regulations are even stricter yeah. and the President of the United States to complain about it, calling it uh, Jim Crow 2 or Jim Crow on steroids and his own state of Delaware has, has more stringent voting uh, constraints. It's just bad. And for me... Like I told you, un unless um, George Rasta picks us up in a limo, brings us to Fenway Park, drops us off, we go in a luxury box again. I have no interest in baseball, couldn't care less, and I think Man Manfred should be fired for what he did. And I totally agree. It's 9 o'clock at WNRI, Winsocket, Rhode Island. Thank you, Chris, for joining us on the Upfront program. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden is expected to present a series of executive actions on gun control Thursday, including directing his Justice Department to tighten regulations on purchases.